right, well, praise the Lord. Uh, we are going to uh, start a series on the church. We're going to start a series on the church. And Pastor Emmanuel and I have been um, really talking about this for a while. Um, the importance of knowing and understanding what is the church about? What are the roles of those that are in the church, right? The sheep, that would be you, right? And the role of the shepherds, right? If you recall, we were talking about the shepherds and, and the, the role that God has called us to in coming alongside of you. Shepherd the flock among you. And a number of months ago, we, we were talking about the the weight of that, all right? And it's hard to explain unless you're a shepherd. <laughs> but we live with that reality that we will give an account to Almighty God for how we shepherd the flock. He doesn't say the individual members will give an account, but the shepherds will give an account. And that's, that's a sobering thought. And so it, it led into, obviously, the question of, well, who are the sheep? <laughs> because if, if I'm going to stand before God and give an account, I need to know who the sheep are. That, that, that follows, right? That makes sense. Okay? Um, and the sheep are those, obviously, that know the Lord Jesus Christ, and are part of his church. And, and we're going to start talking about the idea of the church and what that involves. But it's not just being a part of the church as far as this is where I come. It, it, it's a little more involved than that. And, and as we do this series, we want to begin to unpack that for you. God's church is God's plan. It's not man's plan. And that's why what we do every Sunday, while many people may be doing it out of cultural concerns, and well, it's Sunday, and I was always taught to go to church, so I go to church. No, no, this is not a cultural creation. The church is God's plan. Amen. Just like marriage is God's plan. We don't get to determine how we're going to do marriage. Right. No, no, it's God's plan. So is the church. And so as we start this series... Uh, we want to start with, in a general sense, like, what, is, what do we mean by the church? Because there's going to be different nuances to this. And so today, by God's grace, I just want to start and, 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 and get you thinking, okay, the church, what comes to your mind? Is it something that just involves coming in here, or is there something bigger going on here? Okay, and we're going to see that the church is God's idea, and it's been God's idea all the way back in the Old Testament. Amen. Amen. So let's ask God's blessing, and we'll get started. Father, thank you for the church. Amen. Thank you, God, for calling us out, saving us, gathering us in your name, redeeming us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the church, your body, of whom Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. And Lord, we pray as we start this series together, Lord, that you would open up our understanding as relates to the church, as you've called, as, as you've designed it, God. Lord, we just don't want to be going through religious activity week after week. But we want to understand the significance of the church. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Give us clarity of thought. Realign our thinking with yours, Father. And we thank you so much in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So the church, really, if you go to someone and say, hey, what is the church? 
It's interesting some of the answers that you'll get. Hey, what's the church? Probably one of the biggest answers you're going to get is the church is what? Fill in the blank. What is it? A building. A building. Right? What did you say, Sister Ashley? What was your answer? A place of worship. A place of worship. Okay, right? Place of worship, a building. Right? Um, what do you know about the church? People will say, oh, I go up on so-and-so street, South Street, you know, my church. Oh, the church? Oh, man, the church is corrupt, right? You hear people, all kinds of things, right? It's interesting that you have to dig a little deeper before people start saying things like, well, the church is not a building. The church is a body of believers. It seems to be like that answer is way down on the list, and we kind of... We kind of answer with those surface answers, right? But let me start with this thought here. The New Testament church is a continuation of a pattern established by God in the Old Testament. Amen. Right? And that's important to understand. This, as we come into the New Testament, and right now we're going to focus a little bit on the Old Testament, and then by God's grace, we'll, we'll kind of work our way into the New Testament. But the idea of a called out group of people, as we know it, in the New Testament churches, and even now, us, right now, hope, you are a called out group of believers, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are the church. Well, in the same way, this pattern was really established back in the Old Testament. Now, how so? The people of Israel were God's called out group that he called out to himself to worship him, to obey him, to serve him. Now we know at times he did not do a good job of that. <laughs> and as we begin this series and look at some of these seeds or some of these foundations that were kind of started in the Old Testament, I think you'll begin to see some parallels to the New Testament church. But understanding that this is a pattern, a continuation of something that God established. So look at Deuteronomy 4.10. Deuteronomy 4.10, Moses here speaking, and he's recounting to the people of Israel as God had called them, and, and I want you to focus on what I have underlined here. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children to do so. Here's the pattern being established. God calling out his own people, and in the context here, this is Israel, those who he delivered, and he, and, and he says, gather them or assemble them. Bring them together. And they're not just getting together for a chicken fry. I got quiet on that. <laughs> We're not against chicken fries, right? But, but look at what the purpose was. So that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they teach their children to do so. So God takes this unique group of people and says, I'm going to teach you my ways. You are going to be my representatives on earth. To all the other pagan nations. Okay? So early on, God called out a people to himself who were to worship him alone. Now, I want you to think about, and I'm going to try to point out some parallels to the church today. Oftentimes we'll hear people say, we need to pray for revival. Okay? And I do agree with that, but here's where I differ. Most of the time when people say we need to pray for revival, they're talking about out here. We need 
Like this community, we need revival in this community. I agree the community needs to be revived, but we need revival in the church. Did you see the difference? Like we are the called out ones who should be walking by the spirit of God, loving one another, loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. There should be so much light coming out of the local church Amen. that the world, when they get tired of wandering and stumbling in darkness, says, I'm going over there where the light is. But what's the problem today? There's no light. <laughs> or it's very, very dim. When you have God's people who are not loving one another as God has called. When you have God's people, the called out ones who are bickering, who are fighting, who are vying for position. And the light just goes out. Why? Because the supremacy of Christ is not what's being exalted. Amen. It's man-centered. So we need, if, if we understand this, this idea in the Old Testament where God said, I'm calling my people Israel. You're going to be a light to the nations. You come all the way up to our time, the mission is the same. The church ought to be the light to the nations. Amen. Just like Israel was called to do. But then what happened with Israel? They got involved in idol worship. They got involved in synchronism, which is trying to take Jehovah worship and mix it with pagan worship, right? That, that way they could be relevant to the culture. Is this sounding familiar? You see what I mean with the parallels that are happening? So now we go to churches and 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 I got an email this week. I get emails every week. I don't know if you get emails like this, brother. You get these emails from all these like worship specialists, seminars, you know, because Easter's coming up. And, 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 and the headline on the email, how to impact your Easter service this year. What do you mean? Preach the gospel. Like what? <laughs> and I'm sure it's going to come with a package of the videos and the right video playing and the right song. And then the drama you can do. And again, this commercialization, mm -hmm. right, right. Of, of how to make the world, those who don't know Christ, comfortable with coming into your service. Mm -hmm. now, now, folks, we are to be hospitable. Amen? Amen. Everyone should feel welcome here. I'm glad Ben said I felt welcome here. Yeah. Right? Amen. But even if you are a non-believer, and even if you are a, 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 an atheist or an agnostic, you ought to feel welcomed here from a human standpoint, right? Courteous. Hey, welcome. Hey, good to see you. But if you can sit here not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and feel 100% at ease, something's wrong. Because the Word of God convicts. And I think what, what the church is doing today is what Israel began to do. How can we join with those who don't know God, right? Mix our worship with those who don't know God, and that way we're relevant. And what does God say? Jehovah rebukes them. Ultimately, this disobedience to Jehovah ends up putting them into exile. So God calls out a people to himself who were to worship him and him alone. Look at Acts 7. Acts 7, 38. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 35 to 38. It's up there. I don't even have to say it. Okay, here we go. So, so notice now, we're in the New Testament, and, 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 and notice how the reference to what happened in the Old Testament is brought up. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer. See the parallels there? Right? There's, there's some typology here. Right? Moses is the type of Christ. As both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. Okay, this is all Old Testament stuff. 
This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the, what's the next word? Congregation. Congregation. In the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Now again, I'm not going to unpack all that right now. The reason I'm showing you this is here he refers to what? This is one who was in the congregation. Do you know what that word is translated? Church. Did you realize the church was in the Old Testament? It's the same word that the New Testament is going to use, ecclesia, to refer to the New Testament church. Wait a minute, I thought the church didn't start until Pentecost. No. <laughs> the church is a called out group of believers. Amen. Now, there's going to be different nuances to the New Testament church. Absolutely. Right? We'll, we'll get into that. But I'm just, I'm trying to get you to understand this idea of the church. It's God's design from the beginning. Right through the New Testament. Why am I emphasizing this? Because, guys, we need to feel the weight of what God puts emphasis on. Amen. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay? God puts uncompromising emphasis on his people Israel and says, I'm calling you out. You are to worship me. You are to learn about me. You are to teach these things to your children. But, but you are to be separate from the way the pagans live. And, and he did this in this pattern of having his called out people come together and worship and learn of him. And here we are, how many years later, still doing the same thing. Now again, what that worship looks like, it's a little different. Not, nobody here brought a lamb to be slaughtered, okay? But I understand that. But nevertheless, the assembling of God's people is precious in God's eyes. I talk to some believers who they say, yeah, oh, I, I know I, I probably should go to church, but uh, I'm just, I don't know, man, I'm just not feeling it right now. And, and, and that's what grieves me. I, I said, do you understand the weight that God puts on the assembly? Amen. Like this, it, this is, and, and I think this is where the culture comes into play. It's like we, we, we look at church as just being, well, I don't think I'm going to make it to church today. And it's just about going to a building and worshiping and seeing people and hearing a message and giving my offering and maybe they have a fellowship meal and ah, I'm, just, I'm just not going to go today. And we're missing the weight of this. This idea of coming together as believers is something God invented. Amen. <laughs> this is not, oh, I'm going to invent this thing called gathering together and we're going to call it the church and hey, if you can go, alright, if you can't, eh, no problem. That's where a lot of Christians do they look at church. That's right. Or you have Christians who, again, I understand COVID changed all of our lives, but but COVID, uh, praise God, I think for the most part it's over. Amen. And I'm like, where y'all at? <laughs> what, 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 what happened? I know, I just, I don't know, man. I just kind of like, you know, because COVID, okay, listen, COVID did a lot. Can we stop blaming COVID for everything, though? Amen. I'm getting a little wary of that. I'm just being real. Right, right down to some of my students that are kind of struggling as seniors. Well, what, well you know, Pastor Ronald, COVID? Man, you a senior. What are you talking about? That was three. What are you? I know, but I just kind of fell behind. Well, you've had three years to get it together. Like, we're, we're blaming everything now on COVID. We got to be careful with that. Amen. Got to be careful. But there are people who are forsaking the gathering and the assembly because. Let's just be honest, and I can't judge anybody's heart, but I'm telling you the reasons they tell me, it's more convenient. I can just worship God from my home. I can just log in and it's like, I'm there. Guys, with all due respect, that's not the assembling of the saints. It's just not. That's not what God had intended. It was coming as a body to be plugged in together. Loving one another, talking, praying for one another, right? How can you do that online when you're looking at the service? 
Now again, I appreciate you guys who are online. Don't send me no emails. I'm not talking about y'all. Alright? I'm, I'm trying to just, like, the church is about a physical gathering Amen. as God's people for the mutual edification building up of one another. We'll get into that with the gifts and all that later. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get you to see this is something that is precious to the heart of God. And so we should take it seriously. Say, God, this is what you've designed. Amen. This is what you are calling us to do. So even in the Old Testament, there was this calling out, if you will. So the church is an assembly of people called to worship and follow God, not only in belief, but in practice. Amen. This is what we see Israel was called out to do, to represent. Not that you're just God's people by name. Again, here's another parallel. Was all of Israel faithful to God? Yes or no? No. No. We'll learn this when we get to some of the New Testament passages, right? Paul even said, all who are of Israel are not of Israel. Ooh. We see that in the Old Testament. That even God's people, many of them did what? They didn't believe. See a parallel to the churches today? There's a lot of people that come to church on Sunday mornings. Doesn't mean that they're all true believers. Churches are filled all over the community today, right? See, man, your church is growing. Look at all those people. You can have a gathering of people coming to church, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not part of the church. Right. Does that make sense? Again, step back. We're defining the church as a called out group of believers. Going to a church building does not make you a believer. Just like as Israel was called out, many of them did not believe. Okay? There's so many parallels when you start looking at God's design that carry over into the New Testament. So the church is an assembly of people called to worship and follow God, not only in belief, but in practice. The New Testament will continue the pattern of gatherings of God's people as seen in the Old Testament. With differences, absolutely. Because now, in the New Testament, we gather as spirit-filled believers. Amen. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Amen? He is our chief shepherd. Over here, when they gathered, they had the whole ritual. The priest, right? They had the offerings. They had Over here now, New Testament, what does Peter say? You are a royal priesthood. Wow. See the pattern, right? We don't bring sacrifices. Hebrews says Jesus Christ was the sacrifice and the high priest. Amen. So, so again, you, you see these patterns like this is how it looked here. This is how it looks in the New Testament. And again, I, I just want us to see today that this church, the idea of the church, it's God's design. It's what God desires. So, there are three primary groups of people in the Old Testament. You have the Gentile nations, you have national Israel, and then notice the third, you have true Israel. Those were the faithful remnant. And you see that throughout Scripture. And again, Parallel for the New Testament. I think by now you understand this is New Testament. This is Old Testament over here. Right? Y'all got that? <laughs> New Testament churches today. I was talking to a pastor. He's very, very uh, well-known in Philadelphia. Won't mention his name. But I said, um, how's the ministry going? Oh, great. Here's my follow-up question. Why? Why is it going great? What do you think he said? It's growing. It's growing. It's growing. The church, man, the 
pastor, the church is growing. Now, in my mind, based on what we're saying today, here's the question I would have. Is the true Israel, the true believers, growing numer uh, numerically? Is, is that what's growing? Or people coming to a church building, is that what is growing? Again, I don't know. But I challenged him and I said, how do you know that the people that are coming are truly part of the church? And he kind of looked at me. They're in church. See the problem? Guys, we can't confuse church attendance with what God says the church is. Amen. The church is someone who is trusting in Christ alone for salvation, okay? And they, as an individual, are now gathered with others who believe the same thing. They together make the church. Yes. It's not about a building. That's why we could get up here and we could go stand on the corner and we would be the church. Amen. That's why the underground church in China can worship in parks or worship in warehouses or worship wherever they need to worship. And as a matter of fact, when they do worship, they don't stay in the same place more than one year because of the persecution. Maybe I keep moving the church. Well, yeah, technically you are moving the church because all the people are moving and they're going to another location. We get so enamored with the building and cultural Christianity and all of the fixings that are up here. And, and these things are important. This is about worship, the music, the sound. Well, but that's not the church. Amen. We have to make that distinction. So you have the, these three groups of people. And the Gentile nations, they were to see Yahweh and who he was and the character of Yahweh through Israel. Look at another parallel. People ought to see who Jesus Christ is through you and I. Through the way we interact Amen. as believers. So, the church. Look at 1 Kings. And this is, again, many of you are familiar with the story. Elijah, he's hiding. He's scared, right? There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. Watch this. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Wow. Thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Now here you see this dichotomy. The people of who? Israel. Israel, not the pagan nations. <laughs> these are God's, I thought God called these people. Yep, he did call this, he called this nation. <laughs> he called the nation of Israel. But all that were in Israel did not believe. See parallel to the church? Man, we had 500 Sunday morning on Easter. Praise the Lord. I remember sitting in those kind of meetings. And I'm like, to what end? Was that the church gathering? Or were that people like fulfilling their cultural Christianity duty to go to church on Easter? Right? And here we see. Israel forsaking the covenant, unbelief, throwing down the altars, not worshiping, killing the prophets with the sword. What? Are you kidding me? And Elijah's in this predicament like, I'm standing up for you. God, I am zealous for you. The Lord, Yahweh, the God of hosts. Here I'm proclaiming for you. And now he's hiding because now they're after him. And I love what God says to him. Look at 1 Kings 19, 18. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel 
This is Yahweh talking now. All the knees that have not bowed to Baal. And every mouth that has not kissed him. In other words, God responds to Elijah, I have a remnant. <laughs> God always has a remnant of people that are faithful to him. Amen. I praise God for that because sometimes we can, we can get Amen. we can get like Elijah, right? That's right. I think it's called the Elijah complex. Oh, woe is me! I'm the only one. Oh Lord, how long? And God's like, what? Please stop. <laughs> right? There is a remnant. You see, this God always is drawing people to Himself. You know why? Because God go way back now in the Old Testament. What did God promise Abraham? I am going through your seed, right? I'm going to bless all nations. Ultimately, that was fulfilled. That blessing was Christ, the Messiah coming, who's going to draw all men to himself. And no matter how bad, no matter how wicked it got, God was constantly preserving a remnant of people. And Elijah had to learn that. Look at Romans 11. Again, we're just trying to set the stage for understanding God has always had a called out people. Amen. Romans 11, 17 and 21. This is Paul talking. And this is Paul talking about the Jewish nation. Understanding what we've been saying about the Old Testament. God called the Jews. They were his people. Even though at times they were unfaithful, God was still faithful to them. Now we're in the New Testament, and here come the Gentiles. Right? How, how do we reckon all this? Look at what Paul says, giving this analogy of an olive tree. The olive tree represents Israel. But if some of the branches were broken off, there it is. If the olive tree is Israel, representing true Israel, God's people, and some of those branches are broken off. Right? Although a wild olive, and you, although a wild olive shoot, that's referring to the Gentiles, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. He says, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Now, now again, this is a whole sermon in of itself. But I'm just trying to give you an example here. This is the olive tree. This podium. This represents true Israel. Those whom God has called, has saved, who believe. And he says that some of the branches of this tree were broken off. I'm talking about Israelites. And now Gentiles are being grafted in. Notice we still have one tree that we're dealing with though, right? We're dealing with this one olive tree. It's not like there's another tree over here. He's focusing on this one tree. This one tree, these are the called out ones that go all the way back in the Old Testament. But now we're here in the New Testament time and God is adding to the group of called out believers. You see it? The church is not a brand new idea. When you think of the church as a called out group of believers, this is God's plan from the beginning. Amen. It's beautiful. Look at what he says. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. In other words, God chose to use and work through Israel first. Remember Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But God's original plan, promise given to Abraham, was all nations. Notice what he says. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. So the Gentiles might be bold. Like, aha, you were God's chosen people. Oh, you're out of here now. Now I'm, I'm part of the chosen God. Paul says, look, don't get arrogant. Look what he says. Branches were broken off. 
you might say, so that I might be grafted in. Paul says, you know what? Verse 20, that's true. But catch this. They were broken off because of their unbelief. Don't think because you're something special, right, that God is now throwing the Jewish people aside. No, it's by God's grace that you're grafted in. And it's because of their unbelief that they were broken off. Notice what he says. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. That's the only reason you're grafted in, dude. Don't be boasting. So do not become proud, but fear. In other words, God is a God that deals with unbelief and deals with faith. Right? Those who unbelieve, God will judge. We see that in the whole history of the Old Testament of Israel. We see it, and some might think, well, but they were God's chosen. How could God, how could God judge them? And they were judged harshly. Why? Because of unbelief. And now he says, for if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. In other words, there ought to be this somberness, this humility of all the grace of God that he opened up my eyes and I've come to know Christ in the parting of my steps. Right? There ought not to be any boasting. Well, we're, how can we boast? Now you got to understand in the greater context, and we don't have time to go through it right now, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers are having issues with one another, culturally. Because the Jewish people are like, we're the chosen of God. Who are you? And yet, Paul lays down this argument that even Israel, branches were broken off and Gentiles were grafted in. But here's, here's what we're going to learn later. That was always God's intent. It was part of God's plan Amen. to draw all men to himself. So God can even use the unbelief of his own people to draw the Gentiles in. That's a sovereign God. Amen. And that's a God of grace. So again, the analogy of the olive tree. Again, what I want you to see is this idea of a called out group of believers has been since the Old Testament. The olive tree represents the covenant people of God, Israel. Unbelieving Israel, those are the broken off branches. The believing Gentiles, those are the branches that are from a wild olive tree. They were not part of the nation. They were not part of the called out people. But they got grafted in. Praise God. Amen. And so again, belief in Yahweh, worshiping Yahweh, these are the things that he instilled in the people through the prophets that you might serve me, that you might worship me, that you might know that I am God alone. That's the people he called out and the people of Israel. But folks, as we move into the New Testament, you see that same heartbeat of God for us as New Testament believers. You're called out. The old man has been crucified, amen? You've been raised in Christ to newness of life. That now what? And, and, and you come to Romans 12, what does Paul say? That we can now present our lives a living sacrifice. They worship in the temple with the sacrifices. We don't bring sacrifices in the temple. We still gather like they gathered. What's our worship involved? The sacrificing of ourselves, our lives. We're sold out to Christ. You see the parallels? We're still a called out group of people, God's people, for his glory. Amen. To declare the riches of his glory through Jesus Christ like they were supposed to be declaring the riches of his glory through Yahweh. You see the parallels? It's beautiful when you start looking at this. It's like, wow, God, 
I'm part of the family of God that started way back here. Amen. You ever think about it? Like we got a big fan. We got to imagine we have to do birthday parties. Like trillions of people. And we're part of that same family of God. The called out group of believers. That's why I love the Hebrew writers talks about we are living out our faith. How? Amongst a cloud of witnesses. Amen. Those who have gone before us. Who are you referring to? Those are Old Testament saints. God has always had a church. Amen. A called out group of people. Amen. And praise God we are a part of it. So as we conclude, God has one tree that represents the true believers, his own people. And that tree consists of Jews and Gentiles. These people, Jews and Gentiles, make up the church. The elements of God's people, or the church, and how they worship have changed between the Old Testament and the New. As we just shared, we don't worship through sacrificing of lambs, but now our lives are a sacrifice. We don't go through all the ritual cleansings, but now what? Our life, we're purified because of Christ. But we are still the called out group of believers. We are God's people. Amen. Now that has tremendous implications. And we're going to start unpacking that as we continue this series. Amen. So now that I'm called out, I'm a true sheep. I'm part of God's assembly. So what does that mean? What does that look like as we gather week after week. Is it just about coming, singing the songs, having men give his testimony, offering, and that's it? That's part of it. But that ain't the whole enchilada. Amen. There's a lot more. And we're going to unpack that. Amen? Amen? God, thank you for the church. Your church. Your church. This is not our church. Amen. This is the place that we gather as your church. Hope community. That's the name we've given to this body of local believers. But oh God, we know that this is your church. <laughs> Jesus is our chief shepherd. And I pray, God, that our love for you would grow. That our love and devotion to you would just be cultivated more and more as we begin to understand your grace and calling us, God. Opening up our eyes. Saving us, God. And now we have an eternity that will be with you forever and ever. Oh God, may we rest in that. May we rejoice in that. Father, I pray that as this local group called out believers continues to worship each week you would bind our hearts together in love yes lord that we would be the people of god the way you've called us to be and it's not just us worshiping together but god that we will begin to do the things that you've called your people to do so, Father, thank you. I pray that you might bless this series, that it would convict all of our hearts so that as we understand fully your church, we will fully understand our commitment to you and what you desire in our lives, oh God. So, Father, we praise you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the blood. Thank you, God, for his death and resurrection. Thank you, God, that you call us your child, Amen. that you love us. God, thank you that we are the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God. Oh, Father, we bless your name for that. May we never take it for granted. May we never take a Sunday gathering for granted. Amen. God, may we feel the weight of this. God, every Sunday, may we have that joy in our heart. I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. We've been called out to worship you.
to commune with you and your people. So, Father, we bless your name. We thank you so much. We pray, God, for your blessing in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand and stand? And um, Abby, why don't you come up? We're going to sing a song before we head out. change, um, radically change was, and I thank God for my parents for this, they gave me a love for the church, and um, but you know, but you could easily just come to church, and in 19, 1995, 94, 95, I had such a wonderful time with Jesus, and he restored a love for the church, and it was really, that was a, the turning point of my life. And, um, and I, I believe that some of you, as you like, allow God to just put a love for the church. The Bible says that Jesus Christ loves his church, lay down his life for her. Now, Jesus Christ laying down his life for the church, what do you think he expects us to do? To lay our lives down for the church, for each other. And so I'm excited for some of you that I, I think as you, as you start to like really put, make this a priority, in your life and to say you know what I'm gonna commit I may not understand it all but I'm gonna commit to, to, to really loving walking with the body gonna, your life is gonna change you're gonna start to see God begin to restore things in your life that you've been praying for years and you've been wondering why is my life not changing oftentimes because of our attitude towards the church and we don't love her we don't really value her more concerned about our own lives and so you know God says wait a minute no it's the church that I, I want you to be happy so let's sing this song let the church say amen Life and experience life together. Yes. 
Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers not to spend time alone, but to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. And we, we've gone our own way. We've tried to do it our own way. We've allowed our personalities to get in the way of your plans. But I pray that, Father, that in this series, you would change us all. That we might, oh God, become more and more like Jesus Christ. That we would love one another. That truly we would, we would, Lord, be happy, rejoice when they say to us, let us go to the house of the Lord. There's so many that have no clue what that means. They've read it, but they've never really experienced the joy that comes from knowing that they're going to the house of God. And I pray that that would change, Lord. I pray that by your spirit, we, these realities in our lives would be, become something that we can experience for ourselves and be in touch with the love that you have for your people. Father, I pray for that. I pray that you change us. I pray that you cause us to love and care for your people. And my Lord, I, I know, Father, that you've commanded a blessing there. And you will command the blessing. And so help us as a, as a church, help us as a people, to really slowly, not, not all of a sudden, no, but organically, slowly but surely, begin to elevate in our own hearts and in our minds the importance of one another, the value and the priority of your people. Let us not take your church for granted. Let us not take each other for granted. Forgive us for, Lord, our indifference to your people. Forgive us, Father, for pursuing our own way. For forsaking the covenant. Throwing down the altars. And killing the prophets. And so, God, we pray that you have mercy. And I pray that this series would just birth a real love and a real joy for your people. And we are, Lord, we don't have to look too far. You have brought us right here in this room. We have faces, we have real people that you've called us to walk with. And so I pray that you would do that in our midst, increase that, and let, let Lord, and this, that love, this is how they will know that you are my disciple, if you have love for one another. Praise God that you made the light, Lord, the light of the testimony of Christ dependent on our love for each other. Help us, Lord, to love one another. Lord, help us to care for one. And, and Lord, and when we do that life, they're going to know. They're going to know we are your disciples. We're not going to need to like make these elaborate, these elaborate schemes. It'll be self-evident. And so thank you, Father. I'm excited. I want to grow in this, Lord. I want to love your people. I want to love your house. I want to love them not just on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, praying for the people of God, praying for one another, caring for each other, Lord. And that's only, only possible by the love of Christ in us. Because we are selfish to the core. And so, Lord God, change our hearts. Thank you for this time. Thank you that we can have, a, Lord, a series to really focus on, Lord, just learning to grow to love. Lord, to really commit ourselves to a body, not to float from, from one church to another, from YouTube channel to YouTube, but that we would find a people that we can gather together with. So God, do that, Lord. Restore that, not just here, but restore that in, in Allentown. Restore that all throughout the country. Lord God, your, your church has been devastated. Absolutely devastated by all these excuses. And so help us, Lord, to... Just find a home right here. Every Lord, call your remnant out, we pray. In Jesus' name. Let's sing that one more time. Let the church say amen.
Father, I pray that as we go home, may we feel the rest of God and just protect us this week. We, we don't know what comes this week, but we uh, calamities and problems and news. But guard us and keep us in the peace of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless them in their jobs, Lord. Uh, those who are praying that you would answer prayer. We thank you for today. Bless everyone as they go home. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.